are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. See, over here we have a, a car that is crashed into a tree in the middle of our sanctuary. And, and I wonder, at age 41, I wonder if I still think that I'm immortal. You know, I, I remember, like, I've, I've done skydiving. I've done, I've done some crazy things in my life where, where you don't even really weigh out the consequences. You see, and, and I think that, that maybe, maybe we can walk through life with that whole understanding that, that it's kind of like, you know what, I don't even have to think about, about, about Jesus. I don't even have to think about the Lord or what is in the afterlife for us until maybe I'm 80 or 90 years old. But you know what, the truth of the matter is, is one of, one of our greatest friends, I've, I've had him here at the church a few times to preach, uh, Corey Randall from Chauvin. You know, he's a great friend. Most of you guys know Corey. And his head intercessor this last week while I was in L.A., I got a phone call from Corey. And we just learned that, that Corey's head intercessor's daughter at age 18 was in a car accident. And she passed away this last week. See, we know what's happening right now. But you know what? Tomorrow is never established. It's never firm. And if we just walk through life with the whole understanding that it's kind of like, ah, whatever happens, man, I'm invincible. I'm, I, you know, I'm young, I'm vibrant. I don't have to think about that stuff for a very long time. We may miss out on an opportunity that the Holy Spirit lays right down before us. In the next coming weeks, I want us to go on a journey together where we can totally examine our relationship. We can define the relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I get the fact that some of us in this room, we're kind of like that guy who was on the first date, and you're not exactly sure what you make of any of this thing. But one thing is for sure. You have never seen a church with a smashed car in the middle of the room. Well, feel free to sit down and listen, for I think the majority of this room need to have a DTR talk with Jesus. We need to define our relationship and find out, really, where do we stand with Christ? See, I remember when I first started dating Cindy, you know, um, uh, we, we, we got in that place and we started dating and going out on, these, on, on some fun adventures and this kind of stuff. But then her family started giving her the hard time. You know, the uncles and the aunties. So, so Cindy, is this the man for you? So what's going to happen with this? And she kind of got tired of answering this question. So she went out and she bought a sweatshirt. And it said on her sweatshirt, casual. And whenever people would ask her that question, she'd be like, you know what? Read it. That's what we are. And I think she remained, she kept that thing until we were in, engaged, where it was like, we're casual, we're casual. It's kind of like, you know what, where are we? Who are we? And I walked in that place where it's just kind of like, you know, when, when she finally said yes to, 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 to uh, walking as my place, as, as the wife, it was really important to me because all of a sudden I wasn't casual Lance, but I was someone who was in a committed relationship. Luke 9.23 clearly lays out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, you can open there or I have it on the screen for you. It says, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily and follow me. You know, basically in my life, in modern day terms, when Cindy updated her Facebook status and said in a relationship, 
it brought a sense of pride to my heart because I was no longer casual Lance, but I was boyfriend Lance. The very first step in us defining our relationship with Jesus is by asking ourselves some tough questions. But do we like tough questions? You know, or do we like to just sometimes coast and just say, you know what, I'll worry about that tomorrow. The first question we have to ask ourselves, and you know what, you can write down some notes and ask them and, and really take some time to pray about this and think about it. But number one is, are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? Now some of us immediately say, you know what, that's easy. I'm a follower of Christ. But before you get too far ahead of me, let me define what I'm asking this morning. See, the word fan is defined as an enthusiastic admirer. We're all fans of different things, right? Many of us in this room are sports fans. We watch games, we cheer on our team. Some of us own jerseys, we know the stats of our favorite players. We understand the concept of being a fan of sports. But my concern is that our church has the potential to very easily become a stadium full of fans of Jesus. And Jesus never cared about having fans. If you define a fan as an enthusiastic admirer, then fans were not important to him. See, I think we have a tendency to come together once a week, open up our bulletins, and, and, and applaud during the worship, and enjoy that time of songs, and that time of singing. You know what, we get to get in the car when we go home, and we get to evaluate the sermon. Yeah, that was a good one, or man, Pastor Lance stunk on that one. We get to say, you know what, I really like the way that Gord leads worship, or you know what, I really like the way that, that Corey leads worship, or I really like the way that uh, Rob leads worship. And we get to give it the thumbs up or the thumbs down, and we come back the next week to do it all over again. I get it that some of us, we're really big fans of, uh, of Jesus. You know what, we're really into this. You know, I remember when I, when I first moved out to Alberta, uh, I, I got saved in grade 10, and I, I, I graduated from grade 12, and I did a year of college in, in Ontario, and I moved out here around age 20, maybe, 19. And when I moved out here, the church that I was involved with in Toronto, the, the senior pastor was the chaplain of the Toronto Argos. And all the Argos came out to my church. You know, Pinball Clemens and Reggie Pleasance, they sponsored me to go on missions trips. I had them over to my house for dinner. It was, these guys were awesome. You know, as a, as a teenager, these guys come to our church, and, and it, was, it was just a really neat thing to be able to have. And when, when I moved out here, the, uh, the Argos were the Grey Cup champions the, the year before, and I got ready to go to my very first game, Argos versus Eskimos, but that year was the biggest trade in the history of the CFL, where it was a 16-player deal between the Argos and the Eskimos. And I looked through the stats, and I'm like, oh, man, we got the better end of the deal for sure. We're going to kill the, the Eskimos. So first time in my life, I painted my face blue, I put the big A on my face, I brought my, my flag, I brought my shirt, bought a hat, went down to the Argo game, and I sat right in the Safeway cheap section with all the Eskimo fans. And I'm like, yeah, you guys are going to be so sad by the end of this game. Well, I think the game was a blowout for the Eskimos. You know, it was like 183 to 4, you know, something like that. It was ridiculous. And, and, and I think we scored a field goal probably in around the third, the third quarter, and I started flying my flag, and I got laughed out of the stadium. And I'm like, you know what? Stupid Argos. Like, <laughs> you know, I, just, that, I gave up on football. 
Some of us in this room with Christianity, we're big fans. We know all the songs. We can't wait for the pastor to say, open up your Bibles, because we're just like, okay, open up your Bibles to where? Boom! And we open it up and we look around and say, yeah, look at me, man. I got John 3.16 before anybody else did. (laughs) They're in the Old Testament. (laughs) Oh, man. We walk in that place where, we're, where we say, you know what? I know all the songs of the church. I love what's going on. I know the way that churches run, and I love it. We can feel pretty good about ourselves because these, these great admirers of Christ. But you know what? Jesus never cared about having fans. So if we're honest with ourselves, if we really search our hearts and begin to define our relationship with Jesus... There's three questions that we have to answer. The first being, why are we here? See, I remember a few years back, I went to a revival meeting that happened in Florida. And when that meeting was happening, I've never been to one before in my life. And and I had a dream at night, and I I really believe that the Lord just said, you know, Lance, I want to impart something in in you at this meeting. So, So I went down to this meeting. But when I went there, I was a little bit surprised because this was like a stadium that was just full of people just doing some wild things. And, and, and in this stadium, I imagine that there was a whole bunch of people there that were there for different reasons. Some people were there because they had a physical ailment in their body and there was healings taking place and they were so desperate to get healed that they, they flew and they drove and they walked from wherever to be able to have Jesus touch them. Some people maybe like me, they just kind of said, you know what, I'm just here because I feel the Lord has asked me to go here, and I don't even know why I'm here. But I imagine some people, they came to see the show. They came to see demons flee. They came to see people get healed, to, to see with their own eyes what Jesus Christ was doing. See, in John 6, Jesus was, is in the height of his ministry. He's gaining followers, and the crowds are getting larger and larger, and he's working miracles. He provided food from just five loaves and two small fish, and many in the crowd were following Jesus. But in John 6, verse 2, Jesus realizes why they're coming. See, it says, a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. The main reason the crowd was showing up was because of the show. Why are you here? What is your because? Is it because there's a free barbecue following the service? Maybe it's because there's a petting zoo and, and that's pretty cool even though Jerome's no longer with us. May you rest in peace. Maybe, maybe, it's because, maybe it's because the worship here is just so cool and, 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 and we just really enjoy the worship service. Maybe it's because Cole Community Church has the best looking pastor in all the city. I I don't know what your reason is. Sit down and say, Lord, why am I here, God? Is it because I want my kids to meet good kids so that when they go to school, they got great friends to hang around with? See, they're all great reasons. But if Jesus Christ is not our reason, we're we're missing the mark. Sometimes we need to define our relationship. Why am I here? In this passage, Jesus challenges the fans to to a deeper, more intimate relationship with him. But you see, something that blew me away is it happens in verse 66 of John chapter 6. See, at this point, many of the disciples turned away 
and they left Jesus. At this point, many went home because Jesus says, let's define what we've got here. And what he offered them isn't what they wanted. Jesus was asking the people for the same thing he wants from us today. He's looking for a deep relationship with you. See, I just want to apologize. Because I think a lot of ministers, and and, and maybe even myself sometimes, we paint salvation and we're going to have a salvation call at the end where where maybe you're here and you're like i don't i, I don't I, I don't even know who jesus is it's that first date where it's just kind of like I'm, I'm 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 curious about jesus but i think sometimes we paint jesus as you know what it's a free gift eternal life which is absolutely truth but yet we don't want to tell people that you know what jesus wants everything it's not about you know what, sometimes people get so hung up on silly little things. And it's kind of like, well, do I really need to be giving 10% of my, my, my money to be able to give to the Lord? I, like, is it really 10%? No, it's not. It's everything. Everything that we have is Christ's. You know what, I'm blown away in the book of Acts where the apostles came, uh, where people came before the apostles and just laid out money before them just to say, you know what, go feed the sick, go do whatever the Lord's telling you to do. Totally, 100% sold out radical for Jesus. The second question we need to ask ourselves is, are you all in? Being a follower of Jesus requires complete commitment. A follower of Jesus will do whatever it takes to follow Jesus. They're absolutely loyal, completely committed, yet overall, do we do well with commitment? Or do we customize Christianity? You know what, I'm going to follow Jesus in the ways that I want. I know the Bible says that if if we don't forgive others who have trespassed against us, then Jesus can't forgive us. But when he wrote that, he didn't really mean it. You know, he didn't know that that brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or mom or dad was going to do this to me, which is absolutely wrong, so I don't have to forgive. That, That scripture, I just omit that from my Bible. Or else we go in that place where it's just kind of like, you know what? Jesus says in, in the word of God that we need to abstain from sex before we get married. But you know what? He doesn't really mean that because he didn't understand that 2,000 years later that we'd have so much protection and stuff that it's okay as long as I'm happy. Jesus wants me to be happy. The word of God is the word of God and we need to submit ourselves to the lordship of Christ and say, Lord, I'm committed. I'm a follower of you, God, and I want you to have everything. Customized Christianity says, well, I follow Jesus, but only in the areas that I'm comfortable with or only in the areas that I completely agree with. If you're thinking that you know you got me there, perhaps you're currently walking the road of a fan more than a follower. See, I love the story of the rich, man, the rich young ruler. It's found in Mark chapter 10. It starts off, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. He knelt down and asked God, good teacher, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. He's totally stoked. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you don't have, he told him. 
Go, sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, man, at this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. See, I think when we, when we read that scripture, we feel bad for the rich young ruler. Like Jesus, like, he had a lot. And, 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 and you're asking him to do so much. I, I, I don't know if I could do that. But see, what we're missing out on is that rich young ruler had the opportunity to be able to intern under Jesus Christ. He had the opportunity when, when Peter got out of the boat and started walking on water to, to, to be right there with him. Peter then jumped out of the water, on, uh, out of the boat, started walking on water, followed by the rich young ruler. And then the rich young ruler went out and started casting out demons and started prophesying in the name of, in the, name of the Lord. He missed out on a golden opportunity to be able to walk as one of the disciples of Christ. When you decide to become a follower, there's no middle ground. There's no bargaining. There's no finagling. You go all in. But if you answer this first question of why you're here, then it's pretty easy to figure out whether you're all in or whether you're not. You know what, to be honest with you guys, truthfully, this is challenging for me. There was a time in my life where, where Cindy was just so giving. I'm in school, and, and she's like, you know what, Lance, I just felt like I just needed to give this guy 100 bucks. I'm like, 100 bucks? Like, that's like $10,000. We don't have money for rent, never mind giving money away, Cindy. And it caused so much fights in our marriage. And then I get to that place where even today, you know, I, 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 you know, I think I'm a, a generous person now and the Lord has dealt with my heart there, but I find that I can be a grudge holder. You know what, someone does something and, and they, they tick you off and automatically it's kind of like, you know what, you just crossed the wrong fella, mister. You know, you're driving down the road and all of a sudden someone cuts you off. It's like, oh, I am, that's it. It's on. And you start following the guy and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm following him. What for? I don't know. Because what are you going to do when you catch him? I haven't figured that out yet. But I want him to know that I'm not very happy with him right now. You know what? We need to bless them. We need to just say, God, it's not about my rights. It's not about my stuff. You see, and that's why I said we have to really find out who we are. I just, as your pastor, if, we don't, if I don't challenge you to be able to say, you know what, God, where am I? Then I think I'm missing the boat. See, I'm reading this book right now, and our whole staff is reading, and it's called Move. It's what a thousand churches has revealed about spiritual growth. It's probably not one that anybody here would want to read. But in saying that, I learned something that is really amazing. It's, it basically shows that this, uh, the, slu- the, the sluggish pace of, of, of spiritual growth is segmented and might seem surprising. We might expect that this, uh, the spiritual curiosity of those exploring Christ would at least spur a, mod- a, um, a moderate rate of growth, but the opposite is true. In fact, people who are exploring Christ report the slowest rate of spiritual growth of all the segments of the spiritual continuum. 
only 18% say that are growing rapidly at a modern pace, and 58% of Christians, Christ-centered segments, which represents the most mature believers, if you think about the various segments of the spiritual continuum, I think I'm reading the wrong place here. I totally am. Here it is, sorry. What I just said there, forget it. <laughs> All right. It says the longer people attend church, the less likely they are to become Christ followers. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like the longer people attend, you know, like, like don't we, uh, in churches, don't we want people to get involved in groups and, and start coming out to church because that was going to challenge them? says, just let this sink in for a moment. The longer a person exploring Christ attends a church, the less likely they are to follow Christ. Logically, we assume that the longer someone is exposed to the church, the more likely they'll be to eventually cross the line of faith. But this is a great reminder that we aren't simply dealing with predictable human behavior. Coming to faith is, in Christ isn't a matter of convincing people of the truth, but it's a work of God's Spirit. Still, the reach of the data is helpful in identifying and better understanding why people fail to take steps necessary to be able to come in Christ. Our research suggests that people in this segment who have attended church for more than five years are for, far more likely than those who have attended church for less than five years to say they are spiritually stalled or content with their spiritual growth. And then it just kind of goes on to say, you know what, as that happens, people who just kind of come in in five years, they get to the place of, of just being like, yeah, you know what, Jesus is there, I know Jesus is there, but not really important to me and that really blows me away as a pastor kind of saying god like we haven't done that survey and i don't know where that survey would come out here and and and, and to st see the statistics and all that kind of stuff but lord we want to be passionate for you we want to be followers of christ we want to be committed 100 lord and not just fans of jesus the last one is have we made it our own some of you have heard this, but I have to confess. The reason why I started coming to a church as a teen wasn't because of the Lord. It's because there was a lot of good-looking girls in my youth group. For those of us who grew up in a church, who have attended a church in order to appease a significant other or a relative, it can become easy to become a fan. It's like riding a car with someone who listens to a type of music that you're impartial to. You know what? We did bring this car in here, and we're going to be telling a story about what happened we're going to be telling a story about this, the, the person's life and, and, and what happened as they, as they have uh, walked and as they've grown. But the truth of the matter is, is when we become impartial, we start to hang out with things and we start to figure out things. Do we just become part of the, the program and not even realize that we just got caught up in the stuff? You know, a great example of that is um, even though we have a, a country and western band out there today at our at our fall kickoff, and we, we live in, in, in a country or western province. I gotta tell you, I hate country and western. Thank you. Thank you, one person. Amen. I know. Everybody else boos me. I understand that. But I find myself that, you know, I frequent Mr. Sub. And I go in there, okay, like four times a week. Okay, six. And when I go in there, I say hi to Jack, and Jack is always playing country and western music in there. And I sit down with whoever I'm meeting with, and we, we have lunch together, and we start chatting. 
But you know, I noticed something a, a couple weeks back. As we're sitting there kind of talking, I found my foot was doing this. And I'm like, you traitor. <laughs> what, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden, I found that one song came on, and I found that I was just kind of like, guitars and Cadillac, hillbilly music. And I'm like, I know the words. How did this happen to me? And all of a sudden, I started to change, and I started to transform where I'm like, you know what? Like, am I really a closet country and western fan? That same thing can happen in a church. We can go to church to appease somebody, and pretty soon we get into the flow of things. We know most of the songs. We start to recognize the stories and the teachings. We become fans of Jesus. This could be the most dangerous situation for us to be in. For if your faith isn't your own, if you aren't pursuing a relationship with Christ because you're coming week after week and becoming to create your own faith, but we're following somebody else's faith in the first place. And without even realizing it, we, be we begin uh, numbing ourselves to the real thing. The songs that we sing are not worship, but they just become songs. And a few favorite scriptures that we hear, yet none of them which require any sacrifice of personal change. One of the hardest things I found about being a youth pastor was, was helping teens through that transition time because every single teenager has to go through that place where they no longer follow the God of their mom and dad, but they follow their God. And that is why the statistics are like 80% of kids fall away at college because they haven't made that commitment that Jesus Christ is, not, is, is their Lord, but they follow the God of their mom and dad. Jesus isn't looking for relationships between you, your mom, and your wife, and you. He's looking for relationship with you. That may be one reason why he says these words in Luke 14, 26. If you want to be my disciples, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, mother, wife, and children, brothers, and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. My friends... Would the team come? My friends, it's time for us as mature believers to define our relationship. Are we a fan or are we a follower? Amen. Are we happy to be fans or do we desire to be followers? Because you know what? The Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And one of those scriptures, guys, that scares the daylights out of me, it says at the end that many will come before the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. He says, well, I cast out demons in your name. They walked in power. They walked in authority under the lordship of Christ. Yet Jesus is not their Lord. And if anyone perishes and stands before the Lord that one day, we cannot stand there and say, you know, God, I followed you because my wife wanted me to. And Lord, she's a great gal, 
and, and, and Lord, I know that you're going to take her in. And Lord, the two of us are one, so hey, can I get a buy-out-get-out-of-jail-free car on this one? It ain't going to work. We have to take that time to say, God, I need to be 100% committed to who you are. I need to know who you are, God, and I need to walk in that relationship with you because, Lord, you need to become my number one. Let's pray. Father, the message today for a fall kickoff, Lord, I think it's challenging, God, because, Lord, it challenged me. God, I want you more than anything else. And Lord, I'm reminded of a story, God. And Lord, there was a guy who said, how, how much do I need to know, how much do I need to know about Jesus? How much do I need to love Jesus? How does that whole thing work? And this wise man took this kid and he, and he put him under water and he held him there. And then the kid started to struggle, he started to squirm and he held him there. And then the kid tried to get up for air, but he held him there until the last minute. And he pulls him up, and the kid starts choking. He starts spitting. He says to the kid, he says, what was your number one thought on there? What were you thinking? And the, and, the, and the boy says, I was thinking I need air. He says, when you love Jesus that much, that's when you know that you've got what it takes. When we need Jesus more than we need our next breath, we're completely, 100% sold out, committed to Christ. Lord, some of us have been following Christ since we were babies. But our relationship with you has stalled. God, would you just speak to us today, God? And say, son, daughter, I'm crazy about you. And what I have for you is so much better. What I have for you is so much more. And I want you to learn. I want you to grow. I want you to know who I am because I know every hair that you have on your head. And God, I just ask, Lord Jesus, that the coolest thing about you, Lord, is it's never, ever too late. That God, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, Lord, you want to walk with us right at this very moment. Because, Lord, you no longer call us servant, but now you call us friend. Lord, may I be passionate about you, God. Lord, may I think about you, God, more than breath. God, I can't do that on my own, Lord. Lord, my mind wanders and I think about all kinds of stuff. But God, may you be the center of my life where, God, I am truly 100% in love with you, fully committed to who you are, fully committed to the purpose and the destiny that you have for me. And Lord, I just pray, God, that there may be people here who they're like, I don't even know who Jesus is. I just came because I was invited, and, and that talk kind of got me thinking that there is a grander purpose for me. 
And Lord, if someone is here who's like that, God, would you just breathe life into their spirit? Because God, I tell you, in grade 10 I was lost. I was heading for a life of destruction. I was heading for a life that, an eternity, God, without you. But Lord, like it says in Psalms 40, you lifted me out of the muck and mire. You placed my feet upon a rock. And you made my footsteps firm. Thank you, Lord. And I just pray, God, that anyone in this room, Lord, who doesn't know you as your personal Savior, would get in that place, Lord, where they just say, Jesus, I want to know you. In Christ's mighty name we ask it. Amen. I'm just going to ask the worship team to, to start to play. The barbecue is not open for another 15 minutes before we go into our fall kickoff. So let's just take some time and enter into worship. And I'm going to get Pastor Hayward and Effie to kind of go on this side. And if you just got, want to pray, you know what? Maybe, maybe you're stalled in your relationship with Christ. Maybe you're just like, you know what, Lance? Or I guess Hayward. I, I've been serving Christ. Or I've been going to a church for a very long time. And, I, and I've always walked in that place where just kind of like, I, I, I like Christ, but I just fig- find that my life is stagnant. And I need fresh water. I need to get that touch again. I just need to get reconnected to the power source. Let those guys pray for you. Lay hands on you and challenge you. I'm going to have my wife join me over here. And maybe you never, never uh, define that relationship with God. You've never walked in that place. And you say, you know what? The first place to start is with saying, God, I invite you into my heart. And I got a little gift bag over here for you that's got a Bible and it's got some, some books on, uh, on who the Lord is that you can kind of do some personal studying. And I'd like to see you get plugged into a, a group, uh, one of the groups that we have coming up here to be able to spurn you on and, and be able to get in that place where we challenge one another and we encourage one another. Ladies and ladies ministry, guys, come out to our men's ministry. It's just so important for us just to be able to rub shoulders with one another and challenge one another in this, this, this thing called life. Amen? Amen. So let's stand as we worship the Lord. And if you like prayer, come on up and we'd love to pray for you. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.